Well, we want to thank you for joining us at Willow Park Church. A little bit of a difference. We are here as the guests of the Casorso uh, home and orchard here in the mission. And we're so blessed that we're able to share the message today from this location. It seems really appropriate to share the, uh, the message about fruitfulness, about the fruit of the Spirit from an orchard. There we are. It's absolutely wonderful. Ambrosia apples around me. Over there, there are vines with, um, with wonderful grapes on. And we're excited to be here. And we thought because we know that the online experience at times can become a little bit the same, we thought it'd be really good to start the service and the message here from a location, change it up a bit and and just celebrate the goodness of God. I'm acutely aware, however, that the sky is full of smoke. I'm aware that there are little snowflakes dropping and the snowflakes are not from snow, they're from ash from the forest fires. So as we begin our service, I think it's important for us to pray and pray for our province where there are unprecedented numbers of, um, of wildfires taking place and pray for the responders, the firefighters, the first responders, uh, the forestry agencies that deal with the pressure of these wildfires at this time, you know, which people are saying again, the word unprecedented. But we know that God is sovereign. And although the world may shake and we may face uh, the change of what is taking place globally, we know that there is one Lord and one King over creation, that he rules. It's not the rulers and the kings of the world that are ultimately the grandmaster. The grandmaster is God. The grandmaster is Christ who came to redeem the world and came to bring the gospel so that man's souls can be saved and redemption can come. And that through the work of the cross, well, our lives can truly be transformed. But Father, we pray right now at the beginning of this online gathering that Lord, you will, first of all, bless, bless our province, be with those families who are displaced. Be with those people at this time who are under evacuation orders. Be with the first responders, the firefighters, the forestry, and all of the mechanism machinery that supports um, the uh, emergency that is now taking place. We, we feel it in Kelowna, in the environment. We taste the smoke in our mouths, we, we understand just how difficult it is for so many people, particularly with the warm weather, the sweltering heat wave that is also taking place. And so, Father, we pray, have mercy upon our city, have mercy upon the interior, have mercy upon our province. We pray that in the middle of crisis, your spirit and your presence will move and that you will intervene and work in lives, I ask. And as we begin this service and step into worship and praise, I pray, Lord, that you will encourage us and bless us through the worship we're here. And as we 
as we then hear the word of God, we know the promises that when scripture is opened, you will speak to us, you will edify us, you will build us up and you will encourage us. So Father, thank you. And we now pray your blessing on this online gathering in Jesus' name. Amen. Do remember that if you want to stay in contact with us, there is a contact button, message us. Uh, we're developing an online campus so that uh, people can engage. And we know that people are engaging in all kinds of situations. They're working away. They live in different places. They've got connection with Willow Park Church. Or you just feel at this time you are staying online. So we want to enable you to keep growing in Christ. But as we begin, let's go back to the church and there will be some worship and some praise right now. Good morning. Welcome. Welcome to Church Online. We're Willow Park Church and we're here to do some worship. And why don't you lift your voices with us wherever you are at. We are all together now as we lift our voices in praise to the Lord. Good and I dance because you are good. 
God, you are so good, so worthy of our praise. We're joining the angels in heaven as they swirl around that throne, as the elders cast down their crowns. We're all hailing the power of Jesus' name. There's power in your name, and we are here to proclaim it and claim it and sing about it in Jesus' name. instant out of nothing you created the universe all powerful Lord you hold a world in your hand you hold all creation in your hand all powerful Lord you humbled yourself and became one of us to come rescue us to die for us how could you do that how could you leave that throne Yet that was the only way.
To the cross I look To the cross I cling Of its suffering I do drink Of its work I do sing For on it my Savior Both bruised and crushed Show that God is love And God is just At the cross you beckon me You draw me gently To my knees I am Lost for words so Lost in love I'm Sweetly broken Holy surrender
wholly surrendered. You did it for us, for all of us. We can't thank you enough. But here we are in your church that you built with your blood, with your sacrifice and your resurrection. And now we have the Holy Spirit that joins us all together in this beautiful thing we call life and this beautiful hope we call eternal life. All because of you, great and powerful world. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Enjoy the rest of the service. God bless you all. Well, praise the Lord. It's so good just to spend that time listening to worship. And we're so grateful for the way that we are led as a church into the presence of the Lord. As I said, we're on uh, Casorso Farm and I've got John here. And many of you know John. He was on the elders board for many years and, of course, is an active member of uh, the South community. And thank you, John, for letting us uh, gather here. Uh, you know we share communion, and I'm going to let John just share a little bit of his heart and lead us in prayer for the emblems that I've got here. And so if you want to take a moment and step away and just uh, gather together uh, your bread and your juice uh, so we can have a moment of remembrance and remember all that Christ has done. John, lead us in communion. Okay. Well, thanks, Phil. Thanks for being here, and we really appreciate it. And we just want to remember at this time uh, the gift of uh, communion that our Lord commanded us to, to remember this great event. And we just consider his own words that on the night he was betrayed while they were celebrating the Passover, Jesus with his apostles, and in the middle of that celebration, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which will be broken for you. Remember me and remember this. And we remember the broken body of Christ that paid the penalty and the, the price and the cost for our sin. That there is a way of escape through Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your broken body. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> In the same way, Jesus took the cup filled with the, the wine, the fruit of the vine. And he held it up and he said to his apostles, he said, this is the fruit of the vine. This represents the new covenant in my blood. The blood spilt, the holy lamb of God spilt for the forgiveness and remission of sins, the new covenant. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for this remembrance. Thank you for this opportunity to consider the price you paid for our sin, that we might be free in you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you. Well, thank you, John. We're so grateful. And uh, maybe at this holy moment, you've got a need, 
a need of healing or a need of just getting right with God or even <laughs> recommitting your life to Christ and getting right with God, then this is the moment to do it. And so, Father, I pray for every need that is present online, for every soul that is coming back to you, for anyone that is seeking your face, <laughs> I pray, Lord, that you will come near to them and meet their needs. Powerfully, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, thanks, Amen. John, for letting I, us be on your wonderful you're uh, welcome. farm. What a yeah. blessing. And we'll pray a blessing on your farm and all that you do. And we're going to go over now to the Willow One News and hear about all the things that are going on at church this coming week and this coming month. Hi, everyone. My name is Courtney, and this is your Willow Park Church Family News for the week. Pursuit School is a part-time program for anyone who would like to pursue the call that God has placed on your life, grow deeper in your faith, and live it out in a practical way. At Pursuit School, we have weekly classes and service opportunities, and there's still time for you to apply for this year's program, which starts in September. Learn more at PursuitSchool.com. We love hearing from you, and we hope that you'll take a few minutes to share your thoughts through our annual church survey. We are so grateful for the responses we've received so far, and we'll be getting back to those of you who have specifically requested it. The survey is open until the end of August, and you can participate by visiting our website at willowparkchurch.com survey. Every year, our Lake Country campus has a back-to-school giveaway in which we give backpacks, clothing, and more to families in need. This year, the back-to-school giveaway is also coming to Kelowna. For the Kelowna event, we invite you to pack a backpack. Please pick up an empty backpack at any of our church locations this week and fill it with items for a child in need. We will need you to return all of your filled backpacks to the church by next Sunday, August 22nd. We are also looking for more volunteers for both our Lake Country and Kelowna events. Sign up to volunteer at willowparkchurch.com volunteer. That's all for your family news. We hope you have a wonderful week. Oh, good. <laughs> well, first of all, I apologize that there's another Brit here. That's the first thing to say. Um, yet another one. I don't, um, I don't think very, very few of you will know who I am. So um, a little bit about um, me and my family. So my wife, Nicole, and I, we, uh, we, are, we moved here just in May this year. So you can imagine that was fun. We did the whole quarantine thing, three days in a hotel, lots of tests, emails to Bonnie Henry saying, please, can we be released now? To which there was an immediate phone call from an, a quarantine officer who set us free. So that was awesome. Um, we, um, I've come here in a, in a job role called communications director. Um, somebody said to me that last week that that makes me sound like I'm some politician spin doctor. Um, I'm hoping that's not true. Um, my job really is to take or look through all the amazing things that are going on in the life of the church and hopefully celebrate them more and more and more and more. That's it. So there's some cool stuff that we're looking at doing online. Um, that's a big part of my background is all digital stuff. So there's some really exciting things that we're working on, but really it's all about talking about, celebrating, shouting about all the amazing things that God is doing in the life of our church family. So um, it's exciting. 
Um, my wife, Nicole, and I have been married for 10 years. We've got six children between us. We've both been married before. So three have grown and flown. Three have come with us to Kelowna. Um, Glenn invited me to speak, I think. Um, I actually was speaking at uh, Lake Country last week, which was a last-minute thing. Um, Jeremy came into my office and said, I'm not scraping the barrel, but I have asked around, and there isn't anybody else. Um, and I'm not sure if that's the same thing here or not. We'd, it remains to be seen. But Glenn asked me to come and talk to you maybe and tell a little bit about our story. Um, and we're looking at two more of these fruits of the Spirit today. So we're looking at kindness and goodness and how God has been good to us as a family. My hope and prayer as we spend a bit of time looking through that this morning, um, and these verses in Galatians, um, is that we'll be blown away by God's kindness and goodness. That's very much our hope. So I mentioned that between us we have six children. Uh, as I say, we've both been married before. We actually met years and years ago when we were both actors on a Christian theatre company for um, Youth for Christ. You may have heard from Youth for Christ. So this is back in England, of course. The story goes that after a few months when we'd, um, Nick and I had become, become friends to a certain degree, she said, you know, when I first, that first few weeks, I wasn't really sure whether you, whether you liked me or not. I said, and I was a proper actor, um, actor, and she, I said to Nick, I said, well, it wasn't really that I didn't like you. I just didn't notice you. Um, and uh, I know, smooth. Um, the rest is history, anyway. We were actually only friends at that point. We uh, left this company, went our separate ways, both got married to others. Nick had three children. I had my two, um, one who was biologically ours, one who we had um, kind of an adoption. It was called a permanent residence order for. And we have discovered since that we, we believe that he had... Um, he has something called FASD, or fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, which can cause lots of physical struggles um, and difficulties, but also really big difficulties with behavior and learning. And Adam had lots and lots of struggles with that, and still does. We actually got together a couple of years after Nick had got divorced, and about six years after uh, my divorce, and my, my two children were living with me um, pretty much um, all the time. When we got together... Um, we actually got together by Facebook. We were a bit of a Facebook reunion get-together. Um, in quick succession, a load of stuff happened. So my ex-wife very quickly wanted the children to go and live with her. And you can imagine we went through a load of stuff um, as we figured all that out. Not long before we got together, Nick lost Anya, who is 15 now. But she was a toddler. She was found in a pond unconscious, and she was revived. And... God performed a miracle and saved her. Um, she's fully recovered. She's unharmed. Um, we actually lost everything. Um, I got caught in the crossfire of two brothers um, in a business that I was running. Um, and we actually lost everything and had to start from scratch. Um, I uh, was still battling some addictions. Um, I, was, I was actually twice the weight I am today. So I've really struggled with all sorts of addictions and stuff as well. Um, and then Aaron arrived, who is our youngest. He is the only one of our many children that is um, both Nick and ours. So, and Aaron has Down syndrome. He came with a surprise as well. I'd love to tell you lots about him and how God shows us so much of his kindness and his goodness through Aaron every day to us. So well, maybe we can chat about that later if you'd like to. More recently, our 16-year-old 
called Sam had a diagnosis of autism as well. Why tell you all this? <laughs> so, first of all, I must apologize that it's a bit of a whistle-stop tour of all our drama. Um, we, we always say that we'd make a really good episode on Jerry Springer, if you can remember that. There's loads more to all these stories that I'd love to tell you, but I want to bring it right back around to the most recent story in our saga that is actually, through all of that, is actually just the latest in blessing after blessing after blessing that demonstrates to us, sometimes miraculously, just how good and kind and faithful our God is. Through all these really hard things, through my struggles, and still with anxiety, I sometimes paranoia creeping in. God is so good and so kind. When, back in 2017, when my daughter, um, from my first marriage, decided that she wanted to go and live with her mum, I had a long period of what I can only describe as a grief. Um, I completely fell apart. I, I, had, I, d- I didn't know how to get through any day at that point. We'd been through so much, and that was kind of the final straw. Nick and the children took the brunt of everything that went on then, um, and we struggled through that more than we'd struggled through everything. And then God spoke really clearly to Nick. He told her to tell me three times before she listened <laughs> to come over here and see Phil. So what I didn't tell you is that Phil and I actually, and of course um, Nick, Phil was running the theatre company that Nick and I were on in our teens. So we've known Phil for a really, really long time. There was stuff that happened back then that drew us together, and we kept in touch on and off, but there's a real bond between us. So it's, I'm talking about Pastor Phil, if you don't know who that is. <laughs> Nick knew... And of course, more importantly, God knew that I trusted Phil with anything. Long story short, I came over here. I did, uh, if you've heard of it, uh, church runs a program once or twice a year called Set Free. So I did Set Free, and God performed a series of big miracles in my life. Completely set me free from a load of stuff. There was, and of course, there is still so much stuff that God is working out in my life that I'm figuring out. But it was God's kindness and faithfulness and his goodness that drew me and my family through, out through all of that and into a deeper relationship with him. So today we are going to be looking at, we're spending more time in Galatians 5. Um, we are going to be looking at two more of the fruit of the Spirit. Now forgive me if this is me and clickers. This could go very well or it could not go very well. Let's see how we go. on. We're looking at kindness first. So you would say... We're looking at the character of God that can be ours um, and that is promised to us, that he's living with us when we believe in Jesus Christ and he gives us his spirit, that transforming work that the power of the spirit does in our lives. So virtually everybody would think of themselves as kind, wouldn't they? Nobody likes to think of themselves as unkind. But here are two thoughts as we get into this, as we think about what it means uh, by biblical kindness. So first of all, kindness is more than a disposition. Everyone is born with a certain amount of kindness, or not. Then what happens is, and all of us can relate to this, our life experiences can either add to or take away from that natural kindness and create in us a disposition. So all of us are traveling towards or traveling away from kindness or not. Potentially, what's going around us Maybe what we do ourselves or do to ourselves, all of that is shaping our kindness. So for some people, kindness perhaps comes 
more easily than others because of their disposition. For example, I know when I was looking, when we were going through uh, my divorce, when there was, I mean, there was lies that were told about me. I know for, for certain there was a direct line, a direct impact on how I was being kind to other people based on that experience. My, def- my kindness definitely shrank at that point, yeah? That's not what Paul is talking about in these verses here. Paul's saying that godly kindness is a supernatural gift that, it, that works in spite of someone's disposition. And the call here is to cultivate a life of kindness through the power of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, kindness is both internal and external. Once you recognize that kindness is something that the Holy Spirit wants to work within us, we also need to realize just how transformative this is meant to be. So kindness is supposed to seep into every area of our beings. This is something one commentator has written. We are called to cultivate kindness in our hearts and actions. Why is this so important to grasp? Because it is entirely possible to feel a certain amount of kindness in our hearts towards someone, yet never act on it. The point of God giving us that gift of kindness is to bless others. If it terminates before it ever reaches its intended purpose... And the reverse is also true. It's entirely possible to do kind acts, yet foster bitterness, resentment, anger in our hearts towards the very person we are blessing with our kind acts. So we must seek complete kindness. That's the Greek word, just so you've seen it. Let's not bother trying to say it, because I've, I've even searched it up on Google, and I still couldn't do it, so let's not look at that. But that's the Greek word. It's actually so countercultural, so transformative, so alien to what maybe we see around us in the world. It goes so far, biblical kindness goes so far as to become generosity as opposed to envy. A delight to see other people doing well. A delight to see other people lifted up. No fake deeds, no doing good to congratulate yourself, no envy at all, no smallness of spirit at all. And I I don't know about you, (laughs) that makes me think immediately there's no chance that I can do that myself. What's more, there is always a cost to kindness. Kindness will inevitably cost you time, money, energy, perhaps reputation, certainly privacy sometimes. There is a cost for the good Samaritan, of course, as well. If you remember him, it's one of the most um, well-known passages in the Bible. It's the story of a Jewish man who was attacked by bandits. He was robbed and left for dead on the side of the road. And lying there bleeding, he was passed by three travelers who just walked straight past him. They turned the other way. And then in Luke, just a few verses there, then the good Samaritan put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you next time I'm here. The guy did all he could to take care of a total stranger. First, he administered first aid at the scene of the crime. He put him on the donkey, on his donkey, which means he had to walk. He took him to a hotel. He cared for him through the night, and then he paid the bill. He did whatever it took to show this guy kindness. And what did he gain from it? Nothing at all. He didn't even know him. But the biggest surprise here is who the Samaritan guy was in relation to the Jewish guy. A chap called Rick Warren you may have heard of put it this way. A Samaritan helping a Jew would be like a black guy helping save the life of a Ku Klux Klan bigot 
or a Holocaust survivor saving the, li- saving the life of a Nazi perpetrator. It's the exact opposite of what you would expect. Jews and Samaritans hated one another, but that's what kindness is when you do something for somebody without expecting anything back. So why be kind? Why would you show kindness to someone when you're not going to get anything in return? That's why it's so countercultural. In my life, kindness is my beautiful, amazing wife listening to, the, listening to God's voice and saying, go say Phil. That was a huge sacrificial act for her. It cost her a lot. It's also the friend who, when I was caught between those feuding brothers and everything was spiraling, said, we'll mortgage the house and remortgage the house if we have to. That's a sacrificial cost. Kindness is the friendships. This is where I take a breath. And this is, this is very real for us right now. Kindness is the, the friendships we've been blessed with since we got here. And we've not been here very long, but already so many people are really loving on our children who have lots going on, who we're brand new, you know, we're finding our way, everything is so different, but there's so many people who are loving us so, so well. Can I challenge you with something, just as a slight curveball? Do you want a really practical way to practice kindness right now? If there's any families in here that are what we would maybe call additional needs families, they really, really need your help. It's really lonely and it's really isolating. And there's a really practical way that you can get stuck in today. But what's God saying to us? Be kinder than it's easier to be. The Bible says we should be kind. It says kindness is an act of worship. Kindness honors God. God has been kind to you and me, extravagantly kind to you and me. Kindness makes other people want to be kind to you. This is my favorite. Check this out. Kindness makes a man attractive. How cool is that? It does not say it will give you your hair back, but it says that kindness will make a man attractive. In Matthew 25, we're called to be kind. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous man will answer him, Lord, when did, you see, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. The least of these There's no glory here. There's only cost. We call to be kind to the person standing right in front of us as if that person standing right in front of us was Jesus. We say we love Jesus. Jesus says you show it by your acts of kindness. Here's your definition. Kindness is love in action. That's what it is. It's just love in action. It's not a disposition. It's not an emotion. It's not a feeling. You can have all kinds of what you think are kind feelings towards somebody. But if you're not acting in a kind way, you're not being kind. It's not something you feel towards someone. It's something you do towards someone. It's an action. But what about goodness? Again, another Greek word, just so we've put another slide up, really. (laughs) Again, I'm not even going to attempt it. It's actually not that good a translation. 
it speaks more to um, integrity and honesty as opposed to hypocrisy is what the word means in its origin. It actually means being the same person in every situation rather than a hypocrite or a phony. It speaks to motivations, which is why it links really well to kindness. It's not the same as always being truthful but not loving, you know? Just getting stuff off your chest to make yourself feel better. The idea behind the word is very much about integrity or doing the right thing regardless of who is around you, what consequences might come, what consequences you might endure. It's being the same person in every context. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) Something else you don't know about, might not know about us, uh, we run a business that is still running back in the UK, so there is a a team that are running that business over there, and we have still a small amount of involvement in that, and kind of keeping an eye on things over there. Going back to what we said before, literally built up out of the ashes. One of our team, and in fact the lady who is is running the business day-to-day over there now, she said something really interesting that kind of startled us when we interviewed her a few years ago. We asked her lots of questions, as you would, about her as a person, obviously about her skill set, but really we were always really interested in um, the, the individuals as a person. She said, I want to be the same person no matter what context somebody sees me in. So if I'm on the phone with a client, or they come into the office, or I bump into them on a night out, I'm the same person in every context. And do you know what? She has rarely faltered, if at all, from that. How many people are like that? Are you like that? A few years ago, when we first had this conversation, I looked at Nick, and I'm going, I'm the exact opposite of that. (laughs) I'm like a chameleon. How do I get to be like that? I really want to be like that. Well, if I ask China, there's a funny story about China. So her parents love 80s music. So some of you this won't mean anything to, but there is, she's, there's a China and Nikita and a Rio in her family. So some of you might understand what that one is, but very much tied to 80s music. If we asked her, she would definitely say, well, I was brought up right. This is the way I'm inclined. She's very calm. She's very measured. She's very level-headed. But actually, I think she would say it's a gift of the Spirit. Evidence of the Spirit at work in her life. Because whatever our disposition, nobody's that consistent. It's really amazing that the word goodness or integrity comes at this point in the list of fruit as well. Because really, this is linked to the notion that none of these are not fruits. It's not plural. It's fruit as in a collective work of the Spirit. Integrity comes from having enough love, joy, peace, joy, kindness. So you're the same in one group of people as you are in another. You're the same in this situation as you are in that situation. You're the same in the dark as you are in the light. You're the same when everybody is looking as when nobody is looking. And I wonder if we should be prepared to do some really serious self-examination from time to time. Ask some questions. Why am I doing the right thing in this situation? Am I serving myself? Am I seeking to gain here for myself by doing this? Am I people-pleasing? Am I acting out of guilt? Am I trying to live up to other people's expectations? Or am I simply trying to outdo somebody? Paul is saying, I want you to practice goodness in your lives, but I want you to practice it for the right reasons because you are truly focused on serving others and not yourself. We're to, be, we're to be kind, we're to love, we're to be patient, all these fruits. But we're also called to examine our motivations. 
because we're only able to really consistently act in love and kindness and patience by the power of the Spirit in our lives. So how do we see this kind of transformation in our lives? Let's take um, a look at some of these. Um, that's fine. Come on to that in a moment. The structure of these verses is really important. Paul deploys a bit of a strategy very often in his writing where he puts what we kind of call bookends in verses. So what we've got up here is we've got two different bits of verses. So we've got all the stuff that is around the, um, the acts of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit is what we kind of call bookended by between these two verses. So in verse 16, if you've got that in front of you, so it's the first bit of these. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And then we've got the acts of the flesh, and we've got the fruit of the Spirit, and then it says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So there's places in the Bible where we hear direct instruction. Yeah, we know that. Um, including from Paul sometimes, don't do certain things, do certain things. But if you look carefully at these verses... It says here that if you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the flesh. This is so helpful potentially for, certainly for for me, when I've struggled with certain things that I've been trying to overcome. This is really helpful, particularly from an addiction point of view. If you look carefully at the verses, he says, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the flesh. If you do this, you walk by the Spirit, then this is the outcome you won't gratify the flesh. It's not, if you try harder not to look at that stuff on the internet, you know you don't want to and you're not, you shouldn't be looking at, that you'll be able to stop looking at it. He doesn't say that. Anyone, as I say, that's battled addiction know that, knows that that doesn't work. He doesn't say that. He says, walk by the Spirit. It's really tidily bookended between uh, these verses. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. The call here is twofold. Crucify the flesh and walk by or rely on the Spirit. The harder you and I try to be absolutely good in every way, the harder your temptations come up. Paul says it in Romans 7, the more I try in my own strength, the more I am tempted. So what do we do? So two things. First thing, crucify the flesh. Why the word crucify? Why not spear it to death or decapitate the flesh? Well, Paul is saying that if you look at something that is perhaps too important to you, anything that maybe you over-desire, we maybe call those lusts, disproportionate desires, these are the things that Paul's talking about. All of that you have to look at in the light of the cross. You have to see Jesus dying for you. You have to say, when I have a a Savior who will die for me, if he loves me this much, that he would die for me, for this, for this disagreement, for this sin, for this pain, for this hurt, for this addiction, this resentment, the way I view my family, the expectations I have on my children, that creeping and distinct creeping lack of unkindness that's coming into my life more and more, the way I'm a chameleon in different situations, the struggles I have in the dark, all of that, he says, take it to the cross. Willpower is not enough. Crucify them. Take them to the cross. Take them to the foot of the cross. Put them at the feet of Jesus Christ. And then, 
And then from the freedom that Christ brings, then we learn tactics and strategies like not putting ourselves in harm's way, not going back to what we've been set free from, but we take it to the foot of the cross. And then how do we not go back to what we've been set free from? We live by the Spirit. So beautiful this. The Holy Spirit has passions and desires. Verse 17, forgive me I haven't got this up here, but in verse 17 it says that the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. So the Spirit has desires. But the Spirit's passions and desires are for Jesus. That's it. What does it mean to keep in step with, by the, in step with the Spirit, to walk by the Spirit? These verses here tell us that it is to desire Jesus, to be passionate about him, to worship him and adore him, to have a passion for Jesus that far outweighs our passions for all the things we over-desire and that we need to take to the cross. When we believe in Jesus Christ, the power of the Spirit comes into our lives and the Spirit gives us an insight into Jesus' love and his power and his glory so that we can love him more and more and more and have a bigger and bigger and bigger passion for him that can never be an overpassion. Our desire for Jesus is the only desire that can never be overdone. It can never be inordinate. It's the only one. We know very well, don't we, that we're not that good if we're completely honest with ourselves. We're not kind in every circumstance and in everything we do. Our motivations aren't always spot on. Even in conversations where we've, you know, we think we've been generally kind, we maybe not have been entirely kind. We're not always patient. We're not always joyful. We're not always acting with integrity in every situation. Jesus Christ was always in every situation. You want to be kinder? You want to be a person of integrity? I really want that. <laughs> the answer I think that we're all looking for is to thank God that he is. That he is. Always, always, always kind. Always nothing other than doing what is the very best for us. Always consistent. Never changing. Always loving. Thank God for Jesus. Throw your attention and your focus onto Jesus Christ and how amazing he is, how awesome and perfect and beautiful he is. Adore him. Talk to him. Tell him how thankful you are for his amazing goodness to us. That's the call here, friends. It's to worship Jesus. The promise of the power of the Spirit in us in response to our adoration and praise is that we will become extravagantly kind to the degree that there's no envy in us. We will be more patient. We will be more joyful. We will be set free from things we need to be set free from. We will become the good people of integrity we long to be. To the degree that in the day and the dark, with our closest friends and our families, or maybe some people we really can't be doing with, we'll be the same person. God wants us to depend on him to see this change. And he knows that we need him to see that change. So he sent his Holy Spirit so that we could see that change. Amen.
Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you you promise to change us. You promise that if we seek you, you will change us by the power of your Spirit. Father, would you bring that change into our lives? Would you keep changing us? Would you keep making us more like Jesus? We thank you so much for everything you've done for us. Amen.